0: Welcome back to another episode of three people on a couch and with your host me Amanda Brian and Steve and today we have a very special guest he's an award-winning film director and he has been creating and producing films and digital content for over 10 years and he is currently directing the series Man of Action and Boy Talk so a big welcome to Paul Krueger.
1: Hey. Yay. Show,
0: Welcome.
1: Thank Paul, you, guys. <laughs>
2: thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It's an honor to be here
0: on this couch. The <laughs> <laughs> couch to be on.
3: Um, I wanted Um, I know when we met, uh, you had a very interesting story in terms of when the pandemic started and where you were. Now, if I recall this correctly, you flew to China for a shoot and then people started getting sick and then... It was announced we're in a pandemic. Is that, can you tell us a little bit about that
2: story? Absolutely. So to give some sort of like background to the story, at the time I was working as an accountant for a visual effects company and it was terrible. I was a miserable accountant. I thought it was fine. Like I had a great job, but it was terrible. And I said, I miss background acting. And I love background acting. Just walking around as a movie extra on set. Very fun, very relaxing. You get to socialize, eat snacks. It's great. So I was like, let me look for a way that I could do background acting on the weekends because I'm working Monday through Friday. So I signed up for LA Casting, which is now Casting Networks. And at the time I was scrolling through looking for weekend work and all of a sudden this one gig shows up and it's like, Hey, they want people to play a U.S. soldier for a Chinese film. That's going to be filming in China for four months. And at the time, I was like, that is insanity. But this could be my ticket out of my terrible accounting job.
0: It feels like all accountants are You know, it's miserable. funny. When
1: I had an office job, I was trying to be background in the office. Like, you actually have to do things here, Steve. <laughs> oh, I can't just sit here. It's terrible. They
2: make you work. They, you know, you have to ask to go to the bathroom. Like, it was terrible. But So my solution was like, let me see if I can get back into background work, make a little bit of extra money on the weekend. And suddenly, this gig shows up that I can apply for that's like, Go to China for four months. And I remember going to my friend Kyle at the office and being like, Kyle, I'm going to go to China for four months. I just saw this thing. <laughs> it's, it's in China. I'm going to be a U.S. soldier. I'm going to be an extra in this movie. And at this time, it was probably December, early December of 2019. So this is before the pandemic. And it was like, great. So I applied for it. And then I would call the casting office every single day to try to get in. I'd like call and be like, "Hi, I'm available to go to China. I'm really reliable. Do you <laughs> Count on me. Please book me for this. I've got a terrible accounting job. I'd like to quit my job. Please book me <laughs> for this." I love that. Yeah, and then uh, and then eventually they reached out and they were like, "Hey, here you go. Like, here's the details." And I remember getting this contract when 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 I got accepted for it, and it was like a sixty-page contract. 59 pages were in Chinese. <laughs> and there was one page oh, in English God. that was just like sign here. And I was like, I don't care. Like what's going to happen. I'm going to sign on the dotted line and I signed for it. And then it was January 15th. I flew to China, January 15th, 2020. I flew to China. And I remember going to the airport and you, and you, you go to like the international airport. That's going to, we flew into, um, Shenyang. So we flew from LA to Shenyang. And I remember just seeing a bunch of like just white dudes standing around. And there was like a lot of people who looked like they were like from China. And then you just see all these like dumb white dudes just standing around. And I was like, Are you guys in the movie that's going <laughs> on? <laughs> and then they were all like, Yeah. And I was like, So we're really going to China. And they're like, Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. No details. <laughs> oh, like, because it wasn't an American production. Like, it was a Chinese production uh. that they casted from America. So. We go there and we're there and we never saw a single camera the entire time. It was a very suspicious operation. What? This
1: what? is like this. Uh, is it was it a Netflix documentary about like uh, show business frauds? H- have you seen this? Did someone did something very similar where with the
3: photographer where they brought her out there and should yeah, it cover some we her watching own it bills
1: together? Yeah, the people that came out there and had to pay initially to be part of a production, but then like the production never actually existed. Wait,
2: so you you never saw a camera? We never saw a camera because the deal was we were going to go and do a two weeks of military training where they would teach us how to get into formations. They would teach us how to use guns on camera. They would teach us how to get shot and look like we got shot and die on camera. So we were doing a two-week training. And the guy who was training us was this guy, Chase Hamilton, who was like, I honestly shouldn't say his name. <laughs> <Because I laughs> we feel can like, beep it out if you don't want Is wanna. he from L.A.? I don't know where he's from, but but he was like the military director, and like literally, it was like he he would like conspire with some of the the Americans who were cast on it, and he'd be like, "Look, I don't have a good feeling about this film, guys." Like what? we got it. And we're, and we're, and were all there, and we're just like Chase, we do not want to hear this. Like please, like <laughs> oh. we're here to do a job. Like oh my god. And it was just like, and then what happened was uh, people started getting sick. And if you get sick, it's like they, they they. so from Shenyang, they took us on a bus four hours north. So we were about 35 miles from North Korea. We stayed in the hotel there, (laughs) which makes sense because we were all dressed like U.S. soldiers when we're going back and forth to where the training area was. So it's like if people saw us, like if a lot of the locals saw us dressed as U.S. soldiers, it would have been a very concerning thing for them. So they tried to keep us kind of like under wraps in this hotel. There was 70 of us. There were 70 of us who were there all in a hotel where it's like a two bedroom, one bathroom, each room, each hotel room. 70, 70 guys, 70 Americans there. And then we start working on set and they built this entire like battlefield with like these bunkers and these like wooden... Um, lookout points and these tents and these army tents and all this stuff so it was really cool to see like they really built it and it was up in the mountains and it was snowing so it was really cool we never saw a single camera and then what happened is people started getting sick and one by one people started getting sick and then the terrifying part was they would have to drive you four hours to like the nearest chinese hospital at this point they didn't know about covid or anything there's people just getting sick like that's weird
3: maybe it's the flu or something
2: yes people were saying it was pneumonia people were saying this and it was like terrifying one guy was like really pale and like sweating and we're all dressed as soldiers eating at like these little like lunch tables (laughs) underneath this in this like big tent and one guy's like sweating and he's passed out and he needs to be carried out by two people and we were like we're like we are so far from like los (laughs) angeles right now like oh my god
1: (laughs) It this. sounds like such a meta, bizarre experience, but also like kind of on-brand for China. You're like, is the movie going to be on Netflix? Like, No, CNN, actually. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> right. This is the real yeah, deal, baby. So yeah, good. I was like, this
0: is a great documentary. Like, right. When bad, did you no realize,
3: way. like, when when were the turning points? So people are starting to drop down like flies, right? They're getting sick. <laughs> we don't know what's going on. You're dressed as
2: soldiers. You haven't seen a film thing. So when did they go, okay, actually, we're sending you back? So it 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 was a gradual shift that began to happen where they were like, Hey guys, there's a small virus that's going on in a city (laughs) called Wuhan that, and we're just going to pause the production for one day. It's just, it's a little virus. They just want to give it some time. And then what happened is we're like, okay, that sounds strange, but whatever. So then a day goes by and then the next day they're like, we're canceling production tomorrow as well. There's still this little virus going on. Meanwhile, I'm getting calls and text messages from my family in america and they're like hey be careful there's like a virus that's breaking out in china right now and you're in china (laughs) and i was like "Shit, i'm in china (laughs) and then suddenly they're like okay guys production is now going to be postponed indefinitely because this virus is getting really serious and we're all these we're all these like americans in china it was already like a crazy situation to begin with now they're shutting down the production and we're all there and people started freaking out. People were started and then we would have days off. So we would have nothing to do. So people were getting drunk. People there started fighting. There was like <laughs> all this stuff started going on. And then like the PAs in the 80s had to run into our hotel. And at one point at like 1 a.m., they're like, Everybody get out of their room. Everyone, everybody needs to go to bed. Everybody needs to stay in the room. Like oh, it was like madness. <laughs> like people and then we had a WeChat, which was like the way of like just group right. chatting. And and um the WeChat people would be starting fights. And they'd be like, I'm coming to the fifth floor right now and I'm kicking your ass. And then somebody would go up and there'd be like a brawl going on. What? Like, this is insane. And it was just madness. Like It was like cabin what? fever. There was this pressure of like, we're in China. We're so far from like home. There's a virus breaking out. We're not working. It was just so... It was a very stressful and I would even say slightly
1: traumatic experience. And S- Seriously, it's like you have PTSD from... Filming a movie about going to war. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah,
0: because it feels like you were in the military. Like it sounds thank, like a military you, experience. Thank you for your service. Yes. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> but, but,
2: but at the same time, like I, the whole time, I'm thinking like we're extras in a movie. Like it is. It can't. Like this is just a hilarious story. I was documenting it. I put it on my YouTube channel. Like a couple of vlogs of it. But I wish I documented it more. Anyway, there was a point where they're like, "Okay, we're sending everybody home. The first flights are leaving tomorrow morning. Like everyone's just getting out, and we were flying back." And then, what happened is we flew back to America, and then we got back to America, and, and they were like, "Are you going to have to quarantine for two weeks?" They made you guys quarantine. They did not. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense because I'll tell you after mine. we get yeah, Continue. Continue. So then, they we were like, "Okay, we're going to have to quarantine for two weeks," which is like a tough thing to do because it's like you need to work. I like I needed to work. I needed to be earning income. But then we walk in and nothing. We walk right back into the country. Yeah. Then I landed on a Friday. That Sunday, I did a Super Bowl commercial. I was very sick during that commercial. Oh, I remained sick. A lot of my friends who, from China who landed were also experiencing illness when we when we landed and then we just went back to work all the way until like March 6th. And then that's and so we landed February 2nd and it was all the way until March 6th when finally it really got to America and then the productions in America started shutting down. That's so crazy.
0: What you're telling us is that you were the one bringing covid Patience, to america Co- <laughs> correct <laughs> yes
2: i think we did I, i'm like we contributed to the covid outbreak <laughs> in america for sure
3: you know what's crazy when i was um so a lot of countries started making people quarantine right off from the back right and i came from india i was in india for the start of the lockdown there in april and there was all this thing like are we going to have be, be in lockdown cuz the news is talking all this thing we flew in from because they did evacuation flights right they shut down all the airports in india so there's no way we could leave the u.s announces evacuation flights or repatriation flights so i hopped i signed up to get on that one It was a full flight we land they tell us where we're going the day before and like you're going to atlanta and i was like well how do i get to la like you got to figure it out and i'm like don't i have to quarantine like, we're all coming from India, like, where there's an outbreak. Like, don't we need to, like, no, like, you can stay home if you want. You know, I was like, what? Like, this was in April, okay? This was in April. So a flight of, whatever, 400 passengers, we all land in Atlanta, and then nothing. Then they like, go have fun, enjoy. And so I stayed a night there in Atlanta, booked a flight to L.A., came here, ended up getting COVID, um, and it was just like, our response, yeah, was not the best. It was just like, yeah, do what you want. But that is a crazy, that is a crazy story. That needs to be like the room part two. You need to find that guy. I feel like the, he would, he could direct it well. Oh yeah, Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> yeah,
1: like that's what it's. That's really what it sounds like. Yeah. Just- blind leading the blind type of thing. <laughs> was your accounting job waiting for you when you got back or you kissed that goodbye? I
2: kissed it goodbye and I was not looking forward to doing accounting ever again. So then what happened is I went back to background work cause I was like, oh, well I'll just go back and do background work again. And then it was for about a month and then the pandemic hit and it was just like, well, looks like there's no work at all. But then the blessing of that was that there was the unemployment that mm. came through with like the six hundred dollar bonus. So that summer was amazing. I was yeah. going to Malibu three, four days a week, yeah. <laughs> collecting unemployment. Yeah. got myself a new camera. Like it worked out really well. Yeah, but it was an interesting ride to get there. You know, mm. it was interesting. That's crazy.
3: Yeah. How do you um, start? So I want to talk a bit about Boy Talk. Um, how mm-hmm. that started and everything.
2: Was that were you doing that before this happened, or did Boy Talk start after that? So Boy Talk started during the pandemic, and I actually wasn't even... So right now we're on season two. We're about to finish production for season two. Every season is 10 episodes. The episodes are about 10 to 15 minutes long. Um, Season three will begin March 1st as well. But during the pandemic was when Boy Talk started, and that was when I wasn't with Boy Talk at that time. I was doing my own thing called Man of Action, and because I remember being in China, and I was like, we're in China, and we got this cool place to film. Let's put together a short film and i had all these dudes who were these like military looking dudes and i'm like yeah we could do like a cool action film in china and we film it in another country like that's great production value but then after we left china i was like well i still want to make that movie so then we ended up doing man of action we've done nine episodes i have one more episode i want to do and then i'm putting a bow on that series but then because i was doing man of action my buddy dallas who started boy talk reached out and was like hey do you want to be an extra on boy talk and i was like do you want me to be an extra on your web series? Like, <laughs> how low can I go? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. But I was like... It's <laughs> also a student film. Yeah. It. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. unpaid. a student film unpaid web <laughs> series, and I'm an extra in it. I'm like, <laughs> that is like saying, like, I have nothing to do my entire life, so I'll be... Yeah. But I was like, you know what? Yeah, sure, I'll show up. And then...
0: Better than accounting. <laughs> yeah
2: it was like better than accounting and it was on like a saturday too so i was like great this would be awesome so then i showed up for a couple hours and it was fun and i was like well that's the last thing i'll ever do with boy talk good luck to them you know i don't care what happens to them i'm gonna go back to whatever i was doing and then dallas reached out again a couple months later and he's like hey do you want to do this script it was like three lines and it was called captain's log and it was they had a green screen they had a detached garage with a green screen and some light set up and they were like oh it's gonna be this guy and he's stuck in space for years and he does this thing called Captain's Log where he, like, records, like, his thoughts after being just trapped in space for years. I was like, that's actually a pretty funny concept. I was like, okay, like, I'll do it. And then I did it, and I was like, hey, I'll do, I'll do this for you. I'll edit this video for you. And if that helps you with your production at all, you know, I would be happy to edit the video for you. And he was like, done deal. And I was like, also, if you want to write more of these, I'll keep editing and editing and editing. And it grew to the point where we did a lot of Captain Zog. Now I'm editing for Boy Talk. I'm also directing it and filming it as well. And I'm co-writing it with Dallas. Dallas is the, the lead actor in it. We're about to finish season two. December 4th will be the last day of production for season two. It'll be released. The last episode of season two will be released February 1st and season three we hope to begin on march 1st if not april 1st so it's going great i love 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 working on the show it's been this thing we get to just work on it and mm. i absolutely love it and i have a boy talk card <laughs> oh what is that this is completely spontaneous and unplanned <laughs> but good i've got <laughs> very good a boy talk card which is business cards that we made with qr
1: codes on the back wow. to our youtube show page the camera. that's really cool so boy talk that's is a comedy really cool. was man of action also a comedy or was it drama
2: Man of Action was an action series that we were trying to do with, like, no money. We had no budget, so we were just trying to do, like, a zero-budget action film, and it just was a lot of work. And then Boy Talk, we can do no budget, but since it's a comedy, it's like, you can make people laugh. You don't need, like, a million dollars to just tell, like, a funny joke or to make people laugh or write funny dialogue. So Boy Talk, we do very inexpensively. We have a Patreon, which funds the show as well. We've got, a you know, a small handful of patrons, and then that's our budget for the show. So it's fully funded. As long, you know, and uh, it's it's a nice little thing. It's a great
1: little you know
2: thing. Yeah. Yeah. You guys should be on Boy Talk. We've got a big wedding scene coming December 4th.
0: Yes, <laughs> let's do
1: and it. I'll reach out to it. you guys. So um, to be a part you were primarily directing and editing before you met Dallas and then you got passionate about his project. And now you're like, I want to act in it. I want to have as much of a role as as possible.
2: Yeah. So I went to film school for directing, I went to Temple University, graduated summer 2018 uh, and my focus was on film directing. And then got to do stuff with like Man of Action, which is all stuff that we just started. So all these original projects that we just started building from the ground up. And then Boy Talk was something where I saw Dallas. So season one of Boy Talk, they shot on an iPhone 7. It looks terrible. It does. I've seen it. Yes. I, I, I was even
3: showing Steve this. I was like, "Look at this! Like you're like an inspiration. Like look where they started, and like now look where they're at. Like they went from like, oh no, we're here to like good special effects, and like um, I watched that one." Um Captain no no uh, priest father
2: Father Max Renegade. Yeah. <laughs> that was just funny. It was <laughs> yeah. good, But yeah. like the,
3: the but the, the quality's like shot up. It looks like very professional yeah. compared Thank to that. You. But that's crazy. So they started on, on iPhones.
2: Yeah, because and they also started the first season, they were just it was during the pandemic and they would just get drunk and high and they would sit in front of their green screen or somebody left a blue screen for doing self tapes. They left it at their place. So they started filming in front of somebody else's blue screen getting drunk and high at night filming the show boy talk and it was like fun for them and then it just gradually escalated and what i saw is like the is from dallas like he was so committed to it and he just had such like an effort that he really wanted to succeed he has this vision for doing 10 seasons of it and I was like, yeah, you know what? He's going to work really hard on this. I'm like, I can bring a lot of my skills to the table, and hopefully that adds a lot of value to it, which I'm glad that you noticed. Yeah, like season one, I was no part of season one except for like, <laughs> the of the last I had said,
0: nothing to do
1: with it. Scrub the IMDB page. <laughs> right. Right, right. Season two onward only. And
2: then season two, I'm like, hey, I have like a camera, like, you know, that we can film this on. <laughs> we don't have to film it on an iPhone anymore. And they're like, what? And I was like, yes. it's. And then now it's like really, it's operating, it gets a nice little series it's a nice little show i think what's really cool about
3: that and almost inspiring is like for all those sort of creators out there and i know we've seen this sort of with the tiktok generation but you don't need to have super expensive cameras to start you can start with your phone What you really need is just the ideas and you need a team of people that want to do it and you can start creating content and sort of upgrade as you go. And I think a lot of people get like, no, no, I'm gonna start once I have like a $50,000 camera, a sound engineer and Uma Thurman to star in it. Then <laughs> then I'll do it, you know? And then they never start it. It never gets created. And, and they don't they, know how to use the equipment. And the they don't know how to line. use the yeah. equipment, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do
1: we do with this? That's a microphone. Uh, it's kind of like you go through the learning process when you start off with the smallest amount of resources. You learn how to use a DSLR, then you you move up to a nicer camera, better audio, better yeah. lighting. So I worked on a a web series, Burt Paxton. It's a a private detective uh, film noir parody series about a bumbling detective in LA. And it lived on YouTube. I'm assuming that's where Boy Talk is as well. Mm -hmm. So have you come across any challenges about the short form web series format in terms of getting an audience and just the, uh, the future of it in your mind of where this is eventually gonna live? Do you think you need to adapt to a 30 minute or do you think there's still gonna be an audience in the short form?
2: That's a great question. We've considered going to 22-minute episodes, um, but I think we've reached like a nice middle ground at like we our goal for season 3 is to do 11-minute episodes because like if it was a 30-minute series on TV, it would end up being like 22 to 24 minutes. So we want to kind of groom it so that it could be like a network ready show. But then in terms of building an audience, building a fan base, like we're starting to like it's starting to become like a sticky operation where like people are kind of sticking to it and like a, little, a couple of fans show up. We had one of our actresses on set and she said somebody just walked out to her and was like, hey, are you on Boy Talk? <laughs> you know what I mean? And she was like, who are you? But like, yes, I am on Boy Talk. <laughs> so That's she w- amazing. And and I feel like the key for that is the last 12 months uh, we've uploaded on, you know, maybe the last 10 months we've uploaded on YouTube one time per week. And we just mm-hmm. always stay at that pace of just one upload per week, one upload per week. We post on the Instagram a couple times per week because those are a lot easier to put together than like a YouTube post. And then we share it on Facebook as well. And it's just the consistency. And then we we're really excited. We're like, even if nobody cares about season one, nobody cares about season two, even if nobody cares about season three or four or five, they could really care about season six. You know yeah. what I mean? Like by season six, where we've already done 53 episodes, mm-hmm. then they could be like, wow, I actually just found out about this show and I think it's really good. And also for us, that's 50 plus episodes of experience. It's was like you're saying earlier, like, yeah, I think what holds people back a lot is they're like, Oh, I've got this idea for a feature film. I just need two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where we're like, all right, we got like twenty five bucks. We can buy, you know, a couple props and some snacks and some food, and then we can film. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we can go and film six, eight pages this weekend. And and I feel like that's something that like we'll never go out of business. The show will never shut down because of like financial concerns because we we're so inexpensive with it. It's really just like as long as we enjoy the show mm-hmm. and enjoy making it, I think it will continue to the goal of 10 seasons. Yeah. Once season 10 happens, we will all be lost because we don't know what to do after season 10.
1: <laughs> there's, a, there's a saying I really like, once you can do more with less, then you can do less and get much more. So once you can fully utilize all the resources you have, that's going to build your expertise up to a point where that it's not going to take as much of an output of energy to get more of a response of the reflection back of that energy yeah i mean i think
0: this is for us too like we are pretty pretty new to the podcast but listening back to them it's like we get better so much better for each episode Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. insane and You learn along the way. So it doesn't have to be perfect. Like in the beginning we were sitting in the couch. That's why we were three people on a couch. But then we realized that we're really like scoofed in together and we can't really talk. (laughs) We shot
1: our first episode on a house phone. We're like, how's this gonna work?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I mean, it's it's interesting how how you learn, you know, throughout Mm. the process and like, I I love doing this podcast, so I'm, I'm hoping to be in your shoes very soon, too, that we're just like, okay, season 10, here we go.
1: Exactly, and if you guys have a fire for it, which it sounds like you definitely do, it doesn't matter if you only have one person watching, you have that drive in you where it's going to keep reaching more people and yeah it might take to the fourth to fifth season then you make a huge jump up it's like oh shit we have hundreds of thousands of people watching this
3: and it's also sort of inevitable like the more you guys do it and you can see this with sort of each episode progressing you're getting better like the acting is getting better the the lighting is better the the cinematography the editing like it, it's consistently getting better and if you continue on this it's just a matter of time before your own skills improve and you know maybe you reach season 10 and like, you're like all right let's wrap it up but you're gonna have acquired all these new skills to then go in work in bigger budget productions, and in a sense, you're like creating your own sort of opportunity in that regard, right? You're not waiting for someone to be like, "Oh, hire me as an editor." You're like, "No, I'll just fucking edit myself, and I'll learn myself," and and
2: that's that's
1: great. Have you have you guys submitted to any of the the web series festival circuit or anything?
2: We have not submitted to any festivals. I'm like like I. I'm not a fan of like film festivals Because on my bio that I wrote I was like award winning film director Like that's just like I won an award once for like a film But I think it sounds good And then I remember that one film That I won an award for Like was like my least favorite movie That I ever made Because I feel like I made it because i made it to like fit into like a box do you know what i mean uh-huh. i like i i didn't make it because like i thought it was just a great film i made it because i'm like i think it'll do well for the this audience and these people i don't care much for the film but i think it'll fit nicely into this film festival puzzle piece thing uh-huh. and i was like but it's my least favorite film i've ever made so for me i'm just like i feel like i also really love the idea of of building an audience building like an an organic fan base and just putting out consistently good content where i just feel like i'm so like not a big fan of film festivals because i'm like i just feel like it's not the right reason to be making a film
1: yeah you know that's how i felt about it too but one thing i noticed we submitted ours to a few uh in la and a few across the country and if you're making comedy you usually tend to stand out at these festivals because you get a lot of just short films that are more like drama or more of just cinematic pieces so i feel like the comedy is a good way to get the audience to see your project and it's a good opportunity to uh take it somewhere else potentially but i get what you're saying it's it's you think like a web series festival it's a bunch of just like film kids jerking each other off like that, that, <laughs> that, <laughs> that that's that, what i'm thinking that, about. that's how i viewed it but there there's one um indie web fest like they rented out like the avalon like nightclub and it was like it was an award show there was like a uh, it was catered there's like tables and like nominations and it, it fa- basically felt like the oscars but everyone there was on youtube so it was like all right this is like kind of fraudulent but also it was good to just get it out there and also nothing is better for me than watching people laugh at something i made i'm sure you guys would have that experience and it gets you fired up to do more. It's like, oh shit! Everyone was cracking. And up. you never know where it
3: starts. Like there was a show called um, East Siders that's on Netflix. It's about two gay guys in Silver Lake and sort of their journey. But they just started making it as a YouTube show, and then it got pretty popular on YouTube. And then Netflix bought it wow. from YouTube. And They went on there. I think they did four seasons. And then the main actress, she, they're all kind of not very right. didn't do much. But the main actress, I'm pretty sure she booked um, Crazy Rich Asians a pretty big wow. part in that. So then she had to leave. Um, but it's just like, you don't know where it's going to start, right? You don't know. Um, that was just a YouTube show, very low budget, 15 minute episodes, a bunch of filmmakers and actors who were just kind of want to do their own thing. And then the Netflix bottom. Um, yeah. I wanted to shift a bit into um, talking about when you first moved out here or um, in terms of like your finances and stuff. I know you, you were pretty tight on money. You were spending a lot and you sort of had a, an aha moment and you kind of like, Got your finances in check. And I if I recall, I think Dave Ramsey just reposted one of your uh your Instagram posts. He's like the finance
2: guy. Mm-hmm. Um what's the book he called wrote? Um uh he wrote a book called Total Money Makeover and yeah. he's got a new book coming out that I'm considering pre ordering because I love his book, uh Baby Steps Millionaires, which is a really interesting concept. But yeah, I mean when I moved out to Los Angeles, I had twenty five thousand dollars of debt, I had about twenty two thousand of student loan to, Twenty-two thousand dollars of student loan debt, another three thousand dollars of credit card debt, and I had, and I was working an internship over the summer, and I was like, "Hey, can you guys like hire me for this? this? Is a great internship, right? Like, I did a great job. Like, are you guys interested in hiring me to be a full-time employee?" And they were like, "No," and I was just like, "No." fuck <laughs> i was like okay well what do i do now so i remember hearing somebody over the summer so they started doing postmates and and somebody else said that they did central casting which is where you can sign up to be an extra on movies and tv shows and i was like i have no options like i need to be earning some income or i'm just going to be homeless so i was like i signed up for postmates and i signed up for central casting which was an amazing opportunity and then i was just really fucking just Sad and I wasn't like sad and broke. I was like excited and broke, but I was still like, "Paul, you're just really broke. Like this sucks." Yeah. And it was to the point where I remember at one point I was budgeting. When I finally started budgeting, I budgeted my food to a hundred dollars a month, thinking I could just eat wow. rice and beans for a month. So that's
1: Ooh. what Dave always says. You're gonna be eating rice and beans. He's like rice day. and beans. I know. And I was, I
2: was just like, I don't have any money. I was like, I need to eat rice and beans, and that didn't last very long. That was that was kind of like a miserable experience. But yeah, and then uh, I got on to Dave Ramsey's Baby Steps. It was a pretty like painful experience. Like there was somebody said that like at a certain age, we only really change when we have like traumatic events happen to us. And for me, it was like I was it was I remember I just was working on Space Jam in August of 2019. And so this was like pretty recent. I, I was working on Space Jam. And then what happened was like I was short $600 on rent. And it was just like, a like that was just like a lot. And I like, really missed the mark. And I just had to like tell my roommates like, uh, guys, I'm like $600 short on rent. And they were just like, you suck, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and, and I was just like, oh, my God, this is such a painful experience that then I went, I was like, I just need to get a job. So I got a job as an office PA, which then eventually led to my accounting Uh, gig because I got promoted from the office PA position and then I started budgeting and I was like so strict and I would go and I would work seven days a week as an office PA and then afterwards I would do like a couple Postmates deliveries in Santa Monica because that's where the office was and slowly 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 like things started to happen where I would like You know, I would just start whittling away at like finally doing my baby step one, which is saving a thousand dollar emergency fund. And then by a miracle I got on the show, Let's Make a Deal. (sighs) And I was like playing for my life. Like I was like, I need to win money on this show because I am so (laughs) fucked right now. Like and I ended up going on the show and winning two thousand dollars, which was which was like a miracle. And then uh and then just it was really just sticking to a budget and just like really being like working as much as I could as hard as I could and like not spending and just managing all my spending. And then, yeah, it was about two years later. Now I'm uh completely debt free. So I've paid off over $21,000, about $22,000 of student loan debt. That's no amazing. credit card debt. Yeah. And it's like, now I'm like, wow, like, oh my gosh, I can do it. Like I can, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, this is great. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, um, That's always been sort of like, I haven't been in
3: debt. I mean, I have student loan debt, but I'm paying that off monthly, but I've never had credit card debt or anything like that. But I spend a lot, but I do only spend what I have. But then it's so easy for me to justify. Like I remember I booked an ad and I really wanted to go to um, acting school in New York City. And this is when I was living abroad. And I booked this ad and ended up getting like 10,000 for it, which was exactly how much I would need to go to New York City for three months and enroll in the acting school. And I was like. Oh, the universe wants me to go. And then I was like, or does the universe want me to save money? And I was like, no, it wants me to go. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going. So then I went. I, it was it was a great experience. I came back and I was like, okay, I need to start you know, working again, saving money. But then this opportunity came to do um, a play. I was like, this is a great opportunity. I'll do a play and I'll like, you know, December of 2020, I can work. And in that year, I'll, I'll make a lot and it's fine. So I did the play. And then um, one of our last shows, I was like, oh, we had to cancel it because there was this virus going around and then of course we went into the the pandemic the whole thing and i was like should i should have saved that money (laughs) like (laughs) i should not have blown all of it so i remember um i'm trying to get into that mode of sort of saving more um because i i can spend very easily like just like you know
0: but when it comes to savings i think it's I think it's kind of hard to save when you don't really know what you're saving for. True. Like you knew what you were striving for. You were like, I'm going to be debt free and then I'm going to have, you know, this emergency fund for this amount. Because when I was living in Sweden, I I was also, I had like the goal of saving up. I think it was because I my biggest dream in Sweden when I was 18 was to buy my own apartment. And to do that, I needed like, I don't know, let's say, five thousand dollars, or six thousand, or I mean, to buy an apartment. I mean, sixty thousand. Oh, okay. dollars I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> trying like, to calculate. That's a good in good real <laughs> What are we doing? Go you buy could have four the, apartments instead uh, of paying yeah, off the debt. Like, <laughs> I think it was like sixty thousand dollars to be able to put, you know, the down like, payment. Yeah, the down payment, Got it. and then to to take a mortgage. So I have that number ingrained in my mind so i was kind of the same way i was like i knew exactly where my money would go so it was so easy for me when someone said like hey do you want to go out and you know buy lunch for 10 bucks i'm like no because i know where those 10 bucks could be instead like do i want lunch or do i want an apartment in a year so it was very very much strict budgeting like my life sucked (laughs) <laughs> that year, and the, I think it was like one and a half year, but like my life sucked. But I also saved ninety percent of wow. my earnings, so wow. that so it was like, yeah, you can do it. But if I didn't have that specific goal, no way that I could have lived like that. Like I, literally, it was rice and beans, like every day. It was horrible. Yeah,
1: but yeah, that's what is tough because. I uh, moved out here with a ton of student debt as well, and I try my best to budget. But then, my like bougie neurotic mind is like, "Oh, I need organic basil." Like, (laughs) like I, (laughs) I put like, uh, uh, I qualify like the things like if I want rice and beans. Well, is it gluten free? Should I get quinoa? But then before I know, it's like two (laughs) hundred bucks at the checkout. (laughs) I'm not saving anything.
0: I know, but it's so easy to come up with these it's not even cliches it's like oh your health before you know money but it's like yeah that's true but yeah. Honestly, did you need this vegan, organic, yeah. you know, dip sauce for like 20 bucks? Right, I'm not right. sure you know, did. It's, it's, so, a,
1: it's a tussle of your mind. My mom's like, you have no money and you only will drink alkaline water. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> enough
3: of this. That's
1: such an LA thing too. It'd be like broke, and LA. Be like, oh,
3: I only eat organic, farm-raised, <laughs> yes. and uh, I pay $9 for my eggs. Yeah, That's so <laughs> accurate. Oh my god, That is LA. It's that like, is LA. But the stress that being, you know, constantly not like, you know, worrying about money is probably going to do more harm to your body than eating non-organic. Exactly. Because your hormones wow. are going to be, right? It's going to be, you're going to be fluctuating and be stressed out in this flight or fright, uh, flight or fight uh, response for the entire time if you're always worrying about money. So those organic eggs not going to make a difference. Yeah, you know, exactly. it'd be great if you could, obviously, you know, but like if you don't have the means for it, then exactly. you're spending
1: so much. The amount of tears I've shed at Erawan. <laughs> right all over my uh, I've Buffalo nev- cauliflower butts. Oh, your I've, Buffalo I've, I've cauliflower never, You've never been there? I've never been. Oh,
0: we
3: have to go just so you can see how expensive everything don't is. Don't ever go no. to they sell, <laughs> wait They sell the exact same raspberries you get at Ralph's. At Ralph's, two, uh, $3, right, for the organic raspberries. At Erewhon, nine dollars. Nine. They're,
1: they're gonna charge us to talk about them. So let's yeah. Just- okay. Don't
0: don't talk about them. <laughs> damn it. Damn it.
3: Their keto donuts are quite good though, but they're like ten dollars er- a donut.
1: Erewhon is legit, but it just sucks that quality, organic, healthy food is such a premium because yeah, the demand and the output is for crap food. So you can get something that's maybe not the best for you for a dollar through the drive-through, but something that's actually good for your body the average person can't afford it yeah. i mean
0: it's so funny when it comes to to the economy here because it's like okay so the cookies are like one dollar and the apples are like five dollars yeah right. so you go with the cookie and then you get sick because it's too much sugar no nutrients but you also have to pay for health insurance here which you don't have to do in sweden so it's like it's free healthcare and school and it's like So you pay for health insurance, but maybe you can't afford health insurance. So then you're in debt again because you're going to the doctors all the time and you're paying for all these pills to Mm. feel better. It's like go around. It's
1: just it's just a huge loop. It really is like the food, the food here keeps you sick and then you get signed up for the health program to get unsick.
0: Yeah. And then you get all the pills that someone's paying for, you know, because you're sick because of the food. So. It's hard. Sponsor it's a hard system to get <laughs> um, Do you <laughs> dabble at all
2: in crypto? Are you investing now at all? Or I'm beginning to research it. I'm very slowly just like making, you know, moves into that type of stuff. Um, I mean, so for me, it's like the baby steps is like step one is like save a thousand dollar emergency fund. Step two. One thousand or ten thousand? One thousand. One thousand. Okay. Step two is to save a three is to pay off all debt except for the house, which means like credit cards, student loans, car loans, everything except for the mortgage. And then step three is save up a three to six month emergency fund, which I'm on, I'm currently on step three. So I'm currently saving up a three to six month emergency fund. For me, that number is $10,000. And then what's going to happen is step four is I can invest 15% of my income. So once I'm at the point where I'm investing 15% of my income, I'm maxing up my Roth IRA, which is like the most you can put in is $6,000 a year. So I'll put in $500 a month into that. And then I'll still have Probably like another like thousand to 1500 to put into just like any investments that I want. But that's really like when I'm going to just become like an investor. And I feel like that's like the thing with the baby steps is again, like having a purpose to save money for. It's like you could be saving money, saving money, saving money. And then when a great opportunity comes around, you're like, this is what I've been saving money for. Great. But I feel like with the baby steps, it's like, no, like this is where a thousand dollars goes, boom, emergency fund then all of your extra additional cash needs to go towards paying off all of your debt because what that does as well is it eliminates monthly payments. So then it's essentially like giving yourself like a raise because you have an extra 200, 300, $500 a month, because you're not putting that towards car payments, student loan payments, credit card payments. So it's kind of like giving yourself a small raise if you're able to pay off debt. And then from there, it's like saving up an emergency fund. Um, which is just in case like a car breaks down or a health, emergency pops up but what's funny about it is like when you have an emergency fund you're like i will literally only because it was like and also it took me probably eight months to save the first thousand dollars and then it took me another like 12 maybe 13 14 months to pay off twenty thousand dollars So it was like the hardest part was saving that first thousand dollars. And I would like save like 500. Then I'd be like, I I've got got an emergency. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And then I would save like (laughs) 700 and I'm like, oh, rent's due. I got another emergency. You know what I mean? And then it was like hard to actually just be like, Paul, oh my God, can you just save a thousand fucking dollars? Like you're like, you know what I mean? Like it was such a difficult skill to develop at first. But then once I saved that first thousand dollars and like the next credit card just like evaporated in like two months. And then like student loans just started to melt away at like 1500 to $2,000 a month I was putting towards my student loans. Wow,
3: 2000 a month.
2: Yeah, when like that was towards the end of my student loans, I was putting like 1500 to $2,000 a month towards my student loans when it took me eight months to save the first thousand. So it's all about like the debt snowball effect of like mm-hmm. where, but I, I think the underrated part of it is like you build these skills and habits that result in just like not live, not having any debt, not having any extra payments because of like my habits. And I think that's like budgeting. Oh, yeah. So, I, like, will die on the hill of being, like, if anybody ju- is just operating, like, with a disciplined budget, like, eventually all of their financial troubles will be gone. Right. I that
0: That is also so funny. Sorry to cut you off. You're good, you're good. But the thing is, when I moved to America, I developed unhealthy money habit. Because, like, in Sweden, I would never, in every Swedish household, there is a coffee maker. And it's not a cultural thing to go out to buy a coffee and then, you know, like go home or like Starbucks is here because here it's like drive through Starbucks even and you go out to Starbucks, buy a coffee for what, five bucks? Four bucks? It's insane. Do and yeah, but like <laughs> a pack of <laughs> you know
1: a, and I found out at Starbucks there actually is a different price between espresso over ice and an iced Americano yes. which is espresso over ice plus water I actually asked the barista I was like so you're charging another forty five for water which is free if you just ask for <laughs> yeah. water I was yeah. like I'm going to put my own water in so, okay you can do that but th- <laughs> they're, but like, they're, like, like, they're like
2: he's too smart he's cracked the system <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> he, he just cracked blind. the system aboard <laughs> <abort,
1: laughs> <abort, laughs> the robot, run <laughs> <laughs> the damn meddling kids
0: sponsor of Starbucks but the thing is like i never went to a coffee place like that and just bought a coffee but now when i came to america i can definitely like every morning this is horrible i i don't i'm not proud of myself every morning (laughs) every morning i go out on my morning walk (laughs) and i have a nice coffee at starbucks because it's on my morning walk and then i go home which means that i spend like 4 bucks every, every day. So what's that 12, a month Twelve, twelve hundred 1200 a year? It's a lot. 1200
3: a year could be invested. And that's
0: what i wanted to to talk about because you you told about the habits that keeps you, you know, uh, to is saving mode and just like that. And the same comes with the bad habits of spending money. The same is like i never bought coffee out in like coffee shops if i did i more saw at like a social thing right i would never buy a coffee for myself and walk away that's just weird but so like these habits are so bad and i eat out which i never did i could eat out fast food included two times a month in sweden and not when I was saving money, just because do that we don't two
3: times a day now.
0: <laughs> Dude, I do that too, <laughs> it's, and it's like insane. And you're not even
3: enjoying it half the time. You're just no. like <laughs> you're in a rush somewhere. I don't know why, but if like everyone, I'm always in a rush. Everyone's always in a rush, and then I'm grabbing something fast. I'm like, what can I get even, really fast? Oh, I'll run into this restaurant. They can get in ten minutes, and it's like, well, you just dropped fifteen bucks, and you I know. even enjoy. And it and also, you're it not down. even full.
1: You need two meals these days to get full, with like the I prices and the portions <laughs> that you get here.
0: And the same is like I can go into Ralph's or wherever and think that i'm being smart with my money choices because i choose the pre-packaged sandwich for what five six bucks yeah. and then it's like
3: when you drink with
1: that yeah and then and i need a water and you end up spending twelve dollars like
0: shit i know <laughs> Should I just went to a restaurant and then you get and to
1: the register it's like a hundred dollars like hold oh, on let me scan the ralph's card okay it was two dollars <laughs> <laughs> it's like why did we do why
0: that? but it's the same you know um and, but also, it's like, okay, I buy a lunch for six bucks, let's say. That's considered, like, low. But it's still like, dude, do you know how much rice and beans are? Like, you can get multiple, multiple meals well, of that. I
3: don't think you – you really don't even have to eat rice and beans. You can still eat well. You can go buy, like, yeah, a whole thing of chicken at, uh, at, at a food store for, like, eight bucks. That's going to last you – it's like a week's worth of chicken.
0: And if you buy frozen chicken that you, you cook go. yourself, it's – Even more, too. Yeah.
3: I think the problem comes, again, like what you were saying, Paul, with the habits. And also, like, because I'll do this sometimes, like, I don't feel like cooking. Or, like, I'll even sometimes I'll meal prep. I'll make one extra meal. But I'm like, I'll eat that later. And then it's like, (laughs) then I find in the back of the fridge, like, three months, I'm like, oh, (laughs) shoot, I forgot about that, you know? Or, like, I'll sometimes I'll be like, I'm going to eat really healthy. So I'll go to the food store and only buy healthy stuff. And then I'll come home, open the fridge. and I'll be like, oh, there's nothing good in here to eat. So then I'll go buy something else. I'm like, defeats the
1: purpose. It's like you, yes, you buy fresh that. produce, but as soon as you put it in the fridge, it's like the shot clock starts. It's like, I have two days to eat this kale or it's going to turn to mush. <laughs> it's like, you don't actually want to eat it. Like the kale's there just to feel good that you're making a good choice, but. It's just a high-maintenance thing you don't even really want. Yeah, I think mean, I have a packet of kale in the free drink. Exactly. Like, it's like, can you go out tonight? It's like, no, I have spinach. It's like, you have to, yeah. you have to eat or it's going to go bad. I have a question for you. So uh, say you would, could come across like a lump sum of money. Would uh, it be wise? Say, say I have $30,000 left in debt and I come across a $30,000 lump sum. Is the Dave Ramsey philosophy to clear that debt immediately? Or should I keep paying the the monthly minimum at whatever the interest rate? Of? Mine's maybe like eight and a half percent. Because $30,000, yeah, I'd feel good to get myself out of debt. But then I'm screwed in some other ways. Yes.
2: Get out of debt as soon as possible. Like, it is just like, because it's almost like if you try to do like four different things at once, like if you're trying to like save money while also like, you know, spending money on this, and then you're also trying to invest in this, and then you're also trying to pay down a student loan and a credit card, and this like you're trying to do five things at once, and you do none of them that well because mm. none of them are getting your full attention. But if you just do one step at a time, then you can like dial in on just one really basic goal. And I feel like it's really like a focus thing of like it would be the same thing as if you were like trying to become a professional basketball player while also training for a triathlon, while also training for a bodybuilding show. Like you would most likely fail at all of those things if you tried to do all of them mm. at once. But the thing with the baby steps is just like, you just focus on one step at a time. So you'd have the thousand dollar emergency fund. And then from there, you just put all the money towards paying off debt. And then boom, you're debt free. And then you save your up your three to six month emergency fund. And then it's at the point where like, that's where for me, it's like, okay, you've done all of like the prereq, prerequisites for your finances, you're good. You've got money in case of an emergency. You've clearly developed a good budget to get to that point. You've got good financial habits to get to that point. Like requires like decent financial habits. And then you're just like an investor and you're like, oh, I get it. Like, this is actually how I become like wealthy because Mm -hmm. I'm just investing all my money and now it's like growing and now your money's like growing and you're like, oh, but it's like so hard to do that without getting rid of these of this debt because the whole time you're like i want to invest but i'm getting pulled back a little bit to pay off this debt and then i want to invest a little bit more or save a little bit more but then i'm getting pulled back because i still owe money over here where it's like just take care of the fucking gremlins in the fucking closet that's like any debt that you have eliminate all of it and then you can just focus like one step at a time so that i think it really comes down to like just the mentality of being able to like focus on one thing at a time you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think for me it got a little bit discouraging when I moved out here. I was a hundred and forty thousand dollars in student loan debt, Oof. and I went to community college. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, wow. I went to Stella Abba. Uh It was discouraging because the monthly minimum was a thousand. So it just and that's insane. The in- interest compounding. It's like I feel like I'm not even getting ahead of this. It's discouraging. So I kept on making the payment because I had to, but it, I wasn't getting the motivation to do the double payments or really feel like I was making a dent in it, I started feeling like that over the last few years. I was like, oh shit, I've really whittled this thing down. So now I'm more fired up to get rid of it. But I think initially, and I know a lot of kids, when you graduate at 21, and if you're going into law school or medical school, it's you're even burdened even more so, that it can really feel like uh, you're starting life like in molasses type of feeling in a lot of ways.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember I was even at one point I was like $18,000 left on my student loans and I literally was like laying there thinking like, well, I guess I'll just be in debt forever. Like, you know what I mean? I really was like hopeless. I was like, I'm never, I may never pay off this debt. It may take me another 10 years. I'm like, but then I'm like, okay, great. So say it does take you, say, say that this is your current reality, whether you like it or not, this is my situation. I've got $18,000 left of student loans. What am I going to do about it? Right. What am I going to do about it? Am I just going to, like, be like, well, it's not worth trying. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to lay here and just... Hope that Joe Biden bails me out, which he's not. I, oh, I know. I know. Everyone knows it, but like they it's like people have trouble accepting you because they're like, yes, yeah, sorry. Like, they, because, OK, here's the thing. Like, why would they forgive all of these student loans and then still issue new student loans to new up and coming students? Right. Because they're yeah. saying like it, that's basically like saying like if you have like weeds growing in your garden and you just take the weeds and cut them with scissors. But the weeds are still rooted in the garden and they're still going to keep growing. So, like, why keep issuing? Stu- like, once they stop issuing student loans, then I'd be like, okay, now it's like they can now eliminate what's left of the student loans. Mm. But if they just eliminate student loans and then the next year, another, like, we're just repeating the process of putting yes. more people in debt. Exactly. We're yes. getting off easy and then just giving
3: a the new
1: generation,
2: here
3: you go, enjoy they being They give debt. the loans
1: out so easily. And a 17-year-old, usually that's when the conversation first is presented to you like your senior year of high school. 17-year-old doesn't have the grasp on what that actually means to take on a six-figure debt. Because you think in your mind, oh, I'm going to be making 50K out of college. I'll be able to pay this off in three or four years. It takes 15 years <laughs> right. to, pay, to pay it off. Yeah, it it's a bit of a scam insane.
3: in the sense like you Definitely. have to do it unless you come for money. You have to take loans out. And we think that this is the way the world works. And I didn't I thought it was too until I met people live abroad. Like what is it in Sweden, what is how much does college cost you?
0: I mean it's for free. Education is free. Free. Sweden. So like
3: how much debt did you get from that
0: then? The thing for being is, for free. You know what it, I mean? Like, yeah, but the thing is so the education in Sweden is free. But the thing is you can also get student loans. But what that really means is that if you want to move from home when you're 18, you can take this loan from mm. a governmental program. So it's not like private investors or like right. private loans. It's just an special loan that goes for full-time students. So you get... It's not like a lot, but it's it's good. Like you can get around it. A yeah. lot of students do it. I did it also because it's such a small rate of paying it back which means that yeah maybe you never pay it back it, it's about i would say yeah like twenty thousand dollars i think you can get from it but the the way of paying it back it doesn't really add up like it does here because here i i think it's this way here that mm-hmm. you get you have to pay interest for it, yeah. right? Yeah. And we don't have to pay interest for it. That's the way which it means should that, be. yeah, so the government gives you this money each month as a student, like a salary, a small sal- salary, but still, you you, they, you they, know, you learn. And then uh, you have to pay it back, but it's no interest or like nearly no interest That's on it. That's the way it, it should be. Which means yeah. that it may- might be like maximum 60 bucks. A month, you know what I mean. So it almost don't tell anyone I said this, but it's it's almost not even worth paying back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, in that sense, where you just like swoop it out. If it was interest involved, I would be like, okay, no debts for yeah. me. And I was I was thinking about it uh, because in in America you can get a credit card when you're 16. Mm-hmm. If I had a credit card when I was 16, <laughs> woo! <whew, laughs> I don't. This is, the, know this is such a problem
3: be. in America because we don't teach any financial literacy in schools at all. And that we, is insane. Yeah. We don't, no, you don't learn nothing. how to do taxes. You don't learn about saving money. Not in, until you get to college and you can start taking these classes, but then you're already paying and you're already in the system.
0: That's insane. But in high
3: school, no, you don't have that. We Not have in public that. schools. Private schools, maybe. Yeah. right? But then they're already coming from money mm-hmm. and that's sort of reinforcing the whole system
1: but yeah in public you don't learn anything traditional k-12 through 12, you basically learn how to become a worker but you don't learn how to uh be a financially boss, essentially. literate and yeah. independent and sovereign with your money and that's designed I, re- of- I remember <laughs> huh. when i was
0: like 15 in school and we had to do this budget assignment from when we were gonna move you know away from home and they had to do like they had these pre-made posts like rent and food and I remember I thought, I was like, yeah, two, maybe like $100 for food. And my teacher were like, no, no, that's not good enough, you know. So we really did these things when we were kids. Yeah.
1: I, s- similarly, I had an experience. I remember in fourth grade, we had to do, we had to budget a theoretical birthday party that we were like planning. And maybe we were given like $500 theoretically to budget. And I remember that one of the girls in my class she wasn't familiar with the word spent. So she was using the word wasted. (laughs) Maybe like I'm assuming like her parents like we just wasted $20 on (laughs) McDonald's last night. So she gets up there in front of the class. She's like, I wasted fifty dollars <laughs> on balloons. I wasted a hundred dollars. She's quite orders. accurate. I, yeah, it's quite not accurate. wrong. Even the fourth grade me, I was losing it in my seat. I was laughing so hard. I was like, "Why is she saying wasted?" <laughs> wasted. It killed me. Absolutely killed me. She's oh. a, she's a millionaire now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: Paul. Uh, she knew it already she, that she was she, she was just she, wasting that money yeah. for that <laughs> wasted birthday party.
3: Paul, I recall. did you want to say something? Oh no! well Whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I recall you having a special skill, um, that I wanted to uh, maybe we could do real quick on the show. So Paul does or did it might have been a one day kind of thing. It was a one time thing, a, but I can do it. It was a one time <laughs> thing. Uh, he does uh, portraits on plates. Um, so he draws people's portraits on a plate. So what I was thinking is I actually have a plate here from what you did of me when we when we met on that shoot. If you guys can see it. I want to um, see. I was thinking on the back side, you could draw, we time you, give you maybe 30 or 45 seconds, and you could draw Amanda's portrait.
2: Yes.
0: Be kind. Yeah?
3: All right. No, I mean, I'm just going to
2: give it my best. I always
3: give All right, it my best ever.
1: That's impressive.
3: So I'll give you the yeah. pen. Let me get the timer out.
0: But Ryan looked now, way cooler on that, uh, that Steve, one.
3: Steve, um, I'm going to want you to sort of describe what's going on in this portrait. Okay. okay? Wait, don't the, start yet. She's writing her name. Oh, okay. Um, do you want 30 or 45 seconds? What do you need? 45,
0: as much time as I can get. It. Yeah, okay, okay. 45, 45 seconds. seconds.
3: Amanda, don't peek. Watch oh, it's 45 <laughs> minutes, hang on. Like
0: okay, cheer. I'm going to stare. Doing watercolors. <laughs> I'm going to stare. It
3: All right, so are you ready? All right, yeah.
0: three,
1: two, one, <laughs> go. Okay, he's off to the races. I'm hey. seeing he's 45 seconds, that's like- believe he's thing. doing her- Hey. Uh, just, it's be a <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing a stick figure. I don't know how good no, just kidding. Uh <laughs> there,
2: there's like the anticipation of
3: like not uh twenty seven seconds left on the clock. Wait, what? Yeah, 25, <laughs> 23. Oh man, okay, wait. I need to how can I negotiate for like I'm gonna for give you some extra time. More... I'll distract with the story. Um so yeah, yeah. so tell when, us when I first met Paul, uh, he's drong, he can't tell you a story. Yeah.
0: Well, I could
1: okay i'm seeing
3: it but he
0: doesn't have a mic so he can't
1: (laughs)
3: um so paul initially when we first (laughs) met him he's we had so much downtime on the shoot to kill so he started doing everyone's portraits on plates keep going keep going give you extra seconds yeah I, i
2: i like yeah
3: um he started doing all these portraits and it became a thing and then he did almost like everyone he was doing the pa's portraits i think at one point like all the background it was uh it was it was a cool little thing and I thought it was a talent he did all the time but apparently it was a one-day talent.
2: Yeah, I I just do this cuz I was like bored, but then people were like entertained by it, so they're like, "Oh, can you do more bird?" I'm like,
1: "Yes, absolutely." I can see that he is a fan of postmodern expressionism. I'm seeing some <laughs> yes. cubic undertones here. Amanda, are you getting
3: I'm- nervous being under the under the
0: pen? Yes. Like I I have stage fright. Uh I'm not an actress, so I don't really like to be in front of the camera. But it's it's going better now when we do this podcast but now i get nervous you again forget it's
1: even you forget it's even there
0: yeah after a while but it's just like, wait till we have five cameras oh on. my <laughs> goodness i mean i i get nervous i don't know what it is when i'm like center of attention i like it but i don't like it <laughs> so you
1: like it but it can be intimidating it really can i think that's most performers like, i i just thinking it, like fears.
0: because my skin is breaking out so i don't want him to like Catch my pimples. <laughs> the poor t- So you can leave them out, <laughs> like what, to like leave some time. <laughs> what you have to understand is like these these
2: like I don't know. I feel like people's expectations of like me as an artist are just like s- uh, like <laughs> skyrocketing right now. Yeah, but I just go in and I just like draw like a random thing, and I'm just very just like I just <laughs> and people just seem to be entertained by it.
0: Well, that's awesome. I mean, after this podcast, like someone might reach out. So if someone wants to hire. <laughs> Paul <laughs> to, to draw on plates.
1: You do uh, like police sketches too? For- I could do hilarious <laughs> police sketches. <laughs> this, this work. This All right.
3: So I'm going to give you uh, 10 seconds. I'm going to give you a 10 second countdown. <laughs> I'm going to start it off. And
1: okay. it's, it's coming together.
3: 10.
0: As long as it lo- looks like a human. 9. <laughs>
1: 8.
0: Okay. Come on.
1: 7. That's way too slow. 6. 5. <laughs>
0: Four, Four three,
3: three, two, one. Amanda, close your eyes. Close your eyes. <laughs> 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 yes, this is great. Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. I need to show the, I need to show the camera first. Um, so you can you see that? You can you see that? You see that. <laughs> Amanda, are you ready? Yes. I present to you Paul's portrait. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's actually really good Like you can tell It's got like uh, Like an essence to it It does I really like, like funny, that But like It's just It's like not good But it like You you get it though You know what I mean it's, re- it's pretty funny I
0: actually think it's good It's pretty cool When you were laughing I was like What the F Is going on I'm like What did he draw But
2: this is really good I like but it You get why it looks funny as well Like all the yeah. portraits Look yeah. funny Like yeah. they always Like But the essence funny is there like yeah, yeah. You got the essence Oh of yeah um,
3: it is a funny this. thing awesome Paul thank you so much for coming on the podcast yeah. uh, is there anything else you anything you want to add before we finish off um,
0: where can people find you
2: okay so they can find me on Instagram at Paul Kruger Films P-A-U-L-K-R-U-E-G-E-R F-I-L-M-S Paul Kruger Films also on YouTube Paul Kruger Films but Instagram is the best place to find me also you can check out our show at It's Boy Talk on Instagram and Boy Talk Studios on YouTube feel free to shoot me a message on Instagram if you like the podcast as well and uh it would be really nice to yeah thank you guys for having me on the podcast as well was, This a great. thank time. you so Thanks much for being Amanda, yeah.
0: here and thank you for the portrait you can't keep
2: that out, that out it is a very side. funny portrait now that i'm looking at it again i'm like that is. it almost kind of looks it, like ruth bader ginsburg <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's what i thought that's what i thought when he was trying like, it that, does is
2: that ruth? <laughs> um send that to ruth bader ginsburg as well be like
1: we do, you know hey we thought this portrait looked like you manda take us away
0: Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. And we will see you next time on Three People on a Couch. Bye.